So good to see you all. So lovely to have you all here with us. If you are new or visiting, uh, my name's Laura, if we've not met, nice to meet you. Uh, we have been in a series on prayer, and I have loved it so far. Loved it so much, in fact, that I was not ready to let go of the series on prayer. So this week and next week, it's like the deleted scenes, the bonus content, the extra material. We are continuing for two weeks more um, with a little bit extra in the world of prayer because uh, I know that I have been so encouraged by what we have been learning over the past few weeks, and I am desperate to see God move in response to my prayers. I'm desperate to hear him speak and to pray in response to what he's speaking, and I want to see him move. I want to be able to, to push past the invisible and persevere and keep praying, and I know that I have felt encouraged to do that. I hope that you have found that for yourselves too. So, so I wasn't ready to let go. So we're continuing on in the world of prayer just a little bit longer. Now, I don't watch the TV show Gogglebox, but ironically, I think that me and my dad would actually make quite a good team on Gogglebox because uh, maybe for no other reason, perhaps, than we are quite vocal TV watchers. Uh, my preferred company for a movie is basically anyone who will put up with my constant running commentary and questions. I like to talk through a movie like I like to eat popcorn through a movie, which is without ceasing. Um, I enjoy that you guys are, you've got popcorn for the sermon tonight. That's a... That's new, but fun. I um, lost friends during a viewing of Dunkirk at the cinema. My dad, however, he channels all of his verbal responses to things that he's watching into basically two things. So the first thing is, if you hear hysterical laughter, he is watching Dad's Army. Nothing else. He's watching Dad's Army. Hysterical laughter. If you hear unintelligible shouting, he's watching the football. Namely, Linfield or Liverpool are playing. And I remember watching him as a child and, and just marveling at the sheer pointlessness of his fanatics, thinking, okay, you won't sit down. You're, you're pacing the room. You're actually walking closer to, to the TV so that you can shout at these men who are running around, but they can't see you. They can't hear you. They don't know what you're saying. They can't hear your coaching techniques or the things that you are criticizing them for. It makes no difference. It made no difference whether he was loud or whether he was quiet. And when it was a team playing that he didn't care about, he was silent. He was quiet. But when my dad watches Linfield or Liverpool play, he passionately cares. He believes. And so he shouts. Now, I want to talk about declarative prayer today, and Brian touched on it last week, but I want us just to camp out in a little bit more today, because unlike my dad shouting at a TV screen, what we speak out loud, what we declare, what we shout matters. It is heard. It's not just floating off into the abyss unheard. It does make a difference. There's a story in Acts chapter 3. And the disciples, Peter and John, are on their way to the temple, and they pass a man who's been lame from birth, so scripture says. And it says that he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he does. And then he goes with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And as the story goes, all the people who saw this were filled with wonder and amazement. This man is put out to beg for money. But Peter and John, in this story, they address a different need and they speak words of life and healing over him. Hurting people, of which we are just a small collection of hurting people. Hurting people 
might need resources. They might need change. They might need new relationships. They might need help in just about any and every way. And I hope that we will be people who will serve other people and provide and help in any natural way that we can. But I sense that there is a need for us to step up and to step into the ways that we can make a supernatural difference in the lives of the people around us. Because what if seeing God's kingdom come in the lives of your friends, your family, your neighbors, your own life, life of our church, what if seeing God's kingdom come is actually connected to our voice, to my voice, to your voice, to what you're going to speak out? COVID increased separation and silence, but now is the time for togetherness and volume and agreement to actually reclaim anything that's been stolen, to rebuild what might have been torn apart, to refuse ultimately any present or future agenda of the enemy, what he might want to do. When I used to have to explain wide games at Bible camp to teams of campers who typically be in two teams, and it was always just like a glorified game of tag. I remember you always had to repeatedly explain that under no circumstances were they permitted to make for themselves a weapon of any kind. It was to be a weaponless game. Now, we know that we are in a spiritual battle. We've been thinking about that a lot recently. Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But we are not unarmed, although our weapons might not be what we expect them to be. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Our weapons are not like the weapons we are maybe familiar with in the world, but actually are better. They have divine power. And we're not at camp, sadly. So today I am saying, pick up the weapon. Pick up the weapon. Don't leave it sitting. And what we speak in Jesus' name is a weapon that we have been given. In the book of Proverbs, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Don't we know that to be true? I know that I have had, uh, people have said things to me which have crushed me for years. I also know that I've had people say things to me which I will never forget because it has been like it's breathed life into my soul. We know that that is true. So as we start to think about declaring our prayers, speaking words out loud, we are going to abandon any sort of like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me mentality because we know that that is entirely false. And we're going to start knowing, hey, words are powerful. We know they're powerful for evil. So what about actually yielding them for good? What about what they can do for good? So what are we talking about today? I want to just define it for a little second to create some clarity. So sometimes when people talk about declarative prayer, they might talk about decrees. Um, they might mention, you know, I, I decree this or, or talk about decrees. Now, the word decree isn't something that we typically use a whole lot in our everyday language, but a decree is an official order which carries authority. Kings make decrees. Kings would have made decrees. Declarative prayer is declaring a decree from God. Or to put it in language that I understand, declarative prayer is speaking out God's intentions. Now, to make it slightly less simple again, declarative prayer is speaking out God's intentions and seeing things change because what you say carries heavenly authority and the power of the living God. Declarative prayers just sound like prayers that you have probably heard before, very possibly. Things like, let your kingdom come. Hope arise in the name of Jesus. Fear be quiet in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. 
And declarations themselves, things being spoken out, things changing as things are spoken out, it's not a, a niche thing in the Bible. The whole way through the story of Scripture, things hinge on declarations. God creates by his voice. He decrees freedom for the people he's made and also a command, do not eat from this tree or X, Y, Z. God decrees the consequences of sin and its solution. He declares his intentions to rescue through Moses. He decrees how they will inherit the land through Joshua. Kings are established by God and then lent authority by God to declare decrees, official orders, which would be legally binding. He sends prophets to redeclare what he has decreed in the past so that people would remember and see what is to come, all centering on Jesus' arrival, the Savior, who as fully God and fully man would have authority to declare what was on the Father's heart and it would always come to pass and then actually give his friends the same authority to do what he had done to declare healing and life and freedom to proclaim the kingdom is coming and they did that so where we're going today is we're going to zoom in on some scripture and then we're going to think about okay what do we actually do though where do we go from here how do we get this into our day-to-day -day life so to zoom in first we see from the very beginning of the bible story that that god does this god speaks out his intentions genesis chapter one god creates by his voice it says and god said let there be light and there was light new things are created at god's spoken commands and in this process of creation things are shifted and moved and changed at his spoken command as well it says in verse 9 and god said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and it was so god speaks and it was so god speaks and it is so sometimes instantly although a lot of the time through the bible as you read through not so instantly. A lot of the times God speaks out what he is going to do before he does what he's going to do with different amounts of time in between those two things happening. For example, with Abram who becomes Abraham, if we look at him for a wee second, God speaks out a promise to Abraham multiple times before it is fulfilled. And he adds to it each time um, a bit more of the picture. So to the childless man, to a childless man, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Then a bit later, he says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Then a little bit later, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then later again, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. You will be the father of many nations I'm going to change your name because you are the father of many nations. I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham's name is changed to reflect what will come to pass before it has come to pass. I have made you the father of many nations. This man does not have a child yet at this point in the story, but his name reflects what he is going to inherit and what is going to pass. And we see in his story that when God speaks something out, something shifts immediately, even if the word is not fulfilled immediately. Abraham's even told to go and walk through the land, the length and breadth of it. Walk through the land that he will possess and he does and he builds an altar there and he worships God in that place before he inherits the land. Now we might relate to Abraham in a way, I know I do, because with Abraham there is a word spoken by God, there's a promise given, and then there's time, and then there, it's redeclared, and then there's some more time, and then there's some challenges, and then Abraham believes, and then Abraham compromises, and then there's more time, and then it's spoken again, and then it's fulfilled. 
And living in the space between the word spoken the first time and it being fulfilled can feel torturous. And we see a warning here in Abraham's wife, in Sarah, because in this in-between zone, in whatever she is thinking and feeling in that, she believes a lie, which is the direct opposite of what God has spoken. And she says to her husband, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. She doesn't only say something like, um, I don't know why this isn't happening, but maybe we could make something happen. Or, you know, I'm having to wait a long time on God providing this, so maybe we can make something happen. No, she believes a lie, which is the direct opposite to what has been decreed by God. The Lord has kept me from having children. Yahweh is the God who said that he will make Abraham the father of many nations. And so Ishmael is born, Abraham's child, but not Sarah's. And so if we are in a a space between a word and its reality, we have a choice. Do I build for myself some sort of Ishmael here or do I wait on Isaac? And we see with Abraham's story that whether it is instant or whether it feels painfully slow when God speaks, something is set in motion. And our takeaway has to be the need when we think about declarative prayer that we have, there's a foundational piece which is our need to live out and speak out our trust in what God has said, even if it hasn't come to pass yet, we need to be able to live out that trust, to walk through that space, to worship in that space, to take hold of our new name, even in the space before the word is fulfilled. Now, if we zoom in on Jesus for a moment, as fully God and fully man, he ushered in the kingdom of God by doing what was on the Father's heart. In the book of John, it says, uh, he says, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. So he's all about doing what the Father is doing, doing what Father God is doing. And often how he did what was on the Father's heart was by speaking out what was on the Father's heart, by declaring what was on the Father's heart. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus heal a royal official's son with a declaration. It says, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Come with me, come to this place before my child dies so that you can heal them. Subtext. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And once again, we see this need to live out our trust in the word that God has spoken. He doesn't say, um, no, actually, Jesus, I wanted you to come with me. I just think if you lay hands. No, he takes Jesus at his word and he leaves. And on his way home, his servants meet him as the story goes. They're like, your son is well. He's been healed. He's like, what time did it happen? It turns out it's exactly the time that Jesus spoke, the exact time that he made the declaration. And so he and his whole household believed at that point. Now, this official, he's a royal official, the text tells us. He would have known the power of a king's decree. He would have known the power of an official order, which is legally binding. But he and his whole household believe here at this point because what they experience shows them that Jesus is a different sort of king entirely. And he heals people this way the whole way throughout the Gospels. He speaks words of life and healing and deliverance and freedom over people. And even more than that, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus speaks to a storm. Now, maybe it's a familiar story to you, maybe it's not, but in this story where this this storm is taking place and the disciples really want it to stop, he speaks God's intentions at that point to the storm. It says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And just 
like with this storm, if we are going to imitate Jesus and do this in our lives, we are going to have to speak out declarations, God's solution to the problem at hand, which are completely the opposite of what we are seeing around us. You're going to see waves, we're going to see wind, and we're going to have to say, be quiet in the name of Jesus, or stop in the name of Jesus. You know, it might be one thing to uh, be in, in a situation where you're like, oh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little peaceful, a wee bit more peace would be nice, you know, I'll just pray in some more peace. We're going to have to do that, but we're also going to have to pray out and declare the exact opposite of what we are seeing in the natural. Jesus speaks to three days dead Lazarus and says, come out of the tomb, and he does, and I love that the scripture says the dead man came out, because <laughs> you're like, he's not dead anymore. <laughs> this is incredible. We're going to have to be ready to declare the opposite reality to the things that we see around us, but Jesus models for us what is possible, because he is fully God, and he is fully man, and I love to think how, about how Jesus as fully God. He shows us what God is like. He's the exact representation of what God is like. I find that so helpful. I find that essential, daily to think about that. But I don't think so much about how Jesus, okay, fully man, he shows me what is possible. Humanity at its best, filled with the Holy Spirit. He shows his disciples what is possible. He did that when he walked on the earth, and then he made it possible for them to by giving them authority to do what he had done as well. In Luke chapter 9, it says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He gives them the authority to do the same, and then he sends them out to do the same. He also tells them that they will do greater things than he did. In John 14, it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. If you read through the Gospels, if you read through the book of Acts, we see this happening in real time, as the disciples do step into this kind of life with him. And Peter and John's example is just one. There are many more. Um, Paul does a similar thing in Acts chapter 14. Uh, there's a bit where he comes across a man who'd never been able to walk, apparently, and he looks at the man, sees that he has the faith to be healed, and so he says, get up and walk. And the man does, and the people are amazed. And when they look at Paul and his friends, they think that they are gods. They think that Paul is a god, and he has to say to them, no, we are human like you, we are here to tell you to turn to the living God. And that's essential. That's important. That's, if we miss that, then we're in trouble because anything that we declare, anything of the Father's heart that we declare and then see breakthrough come or, or see change come or see healing come, it is not so that people think that we are divine, but it's so that people actually turn to the living God, know whose authority, whose power did it through us. So, what do we do? What do we do now? There's a few, uh, a few practical things as we kind of get started or as we keep going and keep uh, stepping into this. The first thing is that we need to find out what God wants. Some of you um, might know Crooksy. Many of you probably do not know Crooksy, but Crooksy's a friend of mine. Uh, when we worked in the office here together, he would do this thing where some days he'd be like, do you want anything from the shop? And every time he asked that, I'd be like, I want a Diet Coke. And sometimes he would bring me back a Diet Coke and sometimes just to be annoying, he would bring me a tin of monster. If you send someone to do something on your behalf, you want them to do the thing that you actually want them to do. Because even if they're, if they're a little bit off, that's annoying, that's irritating. If they're a far ways off, that's potentially disastrous. We are called Christ's ambassadors now, Jesus' ambassadors. An ambassador, historically, would have been sent by the king to speak for the king, to represent the king. 
to do what he wants done. If we want to speak for Jesus, if we want to represent Jesus, then we need to know what is on his heart at any given moment. And thankfully, God is the sort of God who loves to reveal his heart to people. In the book of Amos, it says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And John, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We can hear him. He loves to reveal his heart to us. Okay, are you ready for lots of peas? When it comes to problems, promises, places, and people, we shouldn't be passive, but we should pray with precision and purpose. Now, that's actually exactly what I wanted to say. The peas are just a bonus, but I actually could add persistence to that as well. But if we're going to pray with precision, if we're going to pray with purpose, then we need to know what is on God's heart. We need to ask him to reveal what is on his heart for a situation that's in front of us. And then, yes, we could, once we have a sense of what, what's on God's heart, we could totally, and we should totally, um, intercede and ask God to do it. You know, okay, God, you want to rescue this person, right? God, please send rescue. God, please bring help. God, do what you need to do. Please solve this problem. But also, if you pray and seek God's heart for a situation and, and he reveals something to you, then you can also pray and declare what he wants to do into that situation. For example, you might be facing a storm in life. You might know someone who's going through a particularly challenging time and you can obviously and should obviously pray for it to end. <laughs> You know, pray for God to send rescue, pray for him to send help, but also you can be ready to ask God and then pray and declare what specifically he wants to do in that situation. Maybe he wants it to end immediately and he reveals that to you, reveals that to someone else, reveals it to a few of you, and then you can go in and you can be like, okay, storm, challenges, be done in the name of Jesus. Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop plaguing so-and-so in the name of Jesus. Be finished, be over. Maybe he reveals to you that he wants faith to grow in this. And then you can pray, okay, faith, rise up in me in the name of Jesus. Maybe he wants to provide something in particular in the midst of the storm. Then you can pray and release that provision in the name of Jesus. Listening to God, hearing God speak on these things will help us to pray with precision and to see his will be done in whatever we are facing. And if, if you don't feel like you're hearing from God, if you don't know how to hear God, if you don't know the ways in which you're hearing from God, then learning that, that is going to be where things begin. That's going to unlock so much more. And if you don't know where to start with that, uh, talk to Brian, talk to me, talk to Kelly, talk to any of us on the team, email laura at rehope.co.uk. We would love to give you book recommendations. We would love to chat to you about it. There's so much that uh, we'd love to direct you towards. But if you have the Bible in your hand, then you have the written word of God, you have a lot of material to get you started. And you can, um, you can be sure of a lot in terms of, okay, what is God's will? What, what, what might God's character look like in this situation? You can be sure of a lot and you have plenty to get started with as you continue to learn all the ways in which you hear God's voice as well. The second thing is to say it out loud. Now, we know that God hears all of our prayers. God even counts our tears as prayers. God knows my prayers before I'm going to pray them. But declarative prayer is in its very nature, prayer declared. This is one that we need to speak out loud. And we do it, we speak out loud, we command, we bless, because God has called us now a royal priesthood, royalty and priests because of Jesus, seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. And so we can speak with boldness when it comes to speaking out what God's will is on the earth. And the enemy would do anything he can to just keep you like wrestling with truth and lies in your own head. 
And we probably do that a lot anyway, but there is power in speaking things out, speaking out what is true. Jesus did it when he was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. He spoke out scriptures. When we speak something out loud, it's a sign that we agree with it, that we know that it is true. And actually the act of speaking it out loud can help convince us that it is true as well and grow our belief in that. Some prayers just to get in the habit of speaking out loud would be prayers of blessing, blessing other people. Okay, God, what is your heart for this person right now? Okay, I bless you in the name of Jesus with more peace. Getting just to practice that. This is a safe space to practice blessing people. We will receive blessings <laughs> happily. Prayers for healing. Another one just to get in the habit of praying out loud. Just to, you know, if someone you know in your life is, is going through something and they need healing, just to, to be bold and to pray for healing in, in the name of Jesus. To, um, if, if you feel like there's something demonic, if you feel like you're being plagued by fear or, or doubt or insecurity or something that you're like, I don't feel like this is a God thing. I feel like this is bad. Then just speak out loud, pray out loud and um, say what you mean. Just say it in simple terms like fear, be quiet in the name of Jesus. Fear, stop plaguing me in the name of Jesus. But to get, just to practice praying those things out loud. And a good place to practice praying out loud is pre-service prayer because you can come in and everyone else will be doing it too. And no one will be looking at you or listening to you or particularly studying what you're praying out loud, but it's a place to come and to practice doing that together. Blessing places, blessing our city together, praying out decrees over our city together, blessing each other and praying out loud and, and practicing that and building our faith, which is important because we need to believe in this. In the book of Mark, Jesus says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. There's a need to believe what we speak. Yes, there is obviously a very important need to believe in God's ability to do the thing that we are speaking but there's a need to believe in what we speak here. If we, um, it says, if anyone says to the mountain and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, we need to believe, we need to pray with faith. Now, a little side note is, it's maybe not for everyone, but it might be for some of us, is that in order to believe, in order to pray with faith in this way, we might need to let go of some cynicism or skepticism that maybe has come from like, I don't know, ideas or stories or experience of people maybe misusing this in the past because misuse of something good does not justify me not using it at all. So I might need to let go of some cynicism and then how can I guard and grow my belief? There's, there's lots of ways we can do that. We do it in agreement. We believe in agreement with each other. We do this together. We don't try to do this on our own through things like pre-service prayer. It's powerful in building our faith. We are a church that is quick to be acknowledging how God is moving. We, we do that every single week in shared time, but just to, to do that in our own lives and to train ourselves to acknowledge, okay, God is moving, God is, um, look, look at what he's done here, okay, I'm noticing these things, I'm praising him for what he's doing. We repeatedly fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the natural things around us that maybe look like the opposite of what we are decreeing. So if we are having to speak out the opposite of what we're seeing in the natural, then we're going to have to repeatedly put our eyes back onto Jesus and what he has spoken, what he has said, the truth of that, even if we are in that in-between moment before, between the word and the reality of it. We immerse ourselves in the word of God through Bible read-through. That's another way that we grow our belief because then we are confident in who God is and what he has said, what his character is, and we speak that out. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us all the time so that we can grow in faith in our inmost being. And then a way that we 
act upon this growing belief as it grows in us is that then we persevere through the invisible because we know that when God's intentions are spoken out in declarative prayer, sometimes things shift instantly. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes there isn't immediate evidence for us to see because we know God's word promises radical things when it comes to prayer, but tragically for the impatient among us, it does not promise that it will happen immediately. Now, we've thought a lot recently about the, the nearly always kind of invisible battle that's going on in the spiritual realm. And maybe, like me, you've started to imagine little red men and little green men, and you know that your, your arrow is going up to God in the yellow, and it helps you visualize something of what is sometimes a bit intangible to us. But we need to keep pushing past what feels invisible to know, okay, I am praying this out. I am trusting that I can't see evidence right now, but something is shifting. Something is changing. Something has been set in motion by what God said, and I'm going to keep praying until I see this change. And we need to keep saying it. We need to not be scared to repeat ourselves when it comes to declarative prayer. In the book of Ezra, there's a, a story that takes place which can also help us think about what can happen in the spiritual realm. Because in the book of Ezra, there's a king, King Cyrus, issues a decree and the people are freed to build the temple. And so they start to build it because it's an official order. It carries authority. It's a king's decree. They begin to build the temple. Then there are voices of opposition around them which grumble against them and tell them to stop. And so the building is paused in response to the voices of opposition. Then prophets are sent to prophesy, to remind the Jewish people of what was decreed that they should be building the temple. And so they continue. And then another king comes and he's like, wait, what was said? Was there a decree? Finds the original decree and then adds to it and redeclares it with more benefits this time. And it goes on another time. There's another king comes along. It's redeclared again with again more benefits. Every time the decree is redeclared, it gains more power and they build the temple. And when truth is spoken out, the enemy will oppose truth with lies. So there is a need to continue to redeclare what God has spoken. Now, a super basic example from my own life, if it just helps to normalize it a little, I think it did for me this week, was that I have, uh, I have friends who don't think the same things about the world that I do and don't uh, think the same things about God that I do. And I know that God's word for me has been to not, to not neglect those friendships, to not just surround myself with other Christians, to actually just be intentional and deliberate about loving these people and, and trying to show them what Jesus' love is like as well. And I, there came a night the, the other week where I was going to meet up with these guys, and I just felt like all I could hear in my head was that I was tired, that it wouldn't matter if I didn't go anyway because they, weren't, they wouldn't even notice if I wasn't there, that I'd had a long week, that maybe it'd just be nicer to have a night in. All of these things swirling in my head, and I could have written that off and just thought, you know, this isn't, this isn't a really significant thing. This isn't a super spiritual moment. But I actually did acknowledge, one of the first times I've acknowledged in that moment, I was like, no, wait, no, that, these, what I'm hearing right now is, is directly in opposition to what God has said to me in the past about this friendship. And what I need to do in this moment is not just write that off and not just sit at home, but I need to actually redeclare what is true. I need to speak out what is true. And I felt silly for a moment because there's something that makes you feel a bit silly about sitting at home and speaking out, no, God, I am not too tired to do what you've told me to do. I will do what you told me to do, and you will give me everything that I need to do that in Jesus' name. And out I go. But it made it more normal for me and reminded me that actually this is something I can do every day. This isn't just for like the major huge things in my life. This is something that I want to get into the practice of. I want to pick up this prayer weapon. Declarative prayer is powerful in helping us to remember and re-yield what is true, what is actually true. So if 
God has spoken something to you, for you, for someone else, for this city, for anything, the challenge is to keep declaring it, to redeclare and redeclare and redeclare because, as Brian said a few weeks ago, the, the battle only ends when we stop praying or when the prayer is answered. So I imagine that we probably all have things to say. There are things that we need to declare. The challenge for today is predictable, but I really do think it's worth having a go at. So the challenge is to write some declaration prayers and to speak them out loud every day this week. Now, if you're anything like me, you will hear a little voice in your head saying something like, you've written it down, that's enough. You've written it down. Look, it's in your journal, it's fine. Don't give in to that voice. Write them down and speak them out. Speak them out. Uh, extra bonus points if you're decreeing things over your area and you actually dare speak them out outside. Just put your headphones in, speak them out loud. People think you're on the phone. Um, but go for it, be bold. So I've tried to, more peas again, but just to kind of help hopefully make it helpful. So for a promise, okay, to, to center in on a promise. Has God promised you something? Is there a particular promise in the Bible that you want to hold on to? Um, an example of a decree that you'd write about a promise would be, in the name of Jesus, I forbid any spirit of delay to come against what God has promised me. Super simple. Uh, for a person or for people, maybe someone in your life, you're going to ask, okay, God, what is your heart for this person? And then you're just going to bless them to receive that in the name of Jesus every day this week. For a place, it would be something like, you know, let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of your word and the praising of your name, but, you know, write your own for Glasgow or write one for your neighbors or wherever you may be. But um, have a go at this. Bonus, extra bonus would be to have a go with some other people as well. Maybe you uh, want to write a shared decree for somewhere. Maybe you want to team up and do it with someone else. But have a go at this this week. I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to go into a time of worship and response together. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, thank you that you speak to us, you reveal your heart to us, you have lent us authority and power to speak out what is on your heart, what you want to do. God, would you help us? Would you make us bold? Would you lead us in this? And would you just forbid any, any lie of the enemy to make us quiet or, or to keep us from doing this, to keep us from seeing the, the things that could come of this, the breakthrough that could come of this, the change, the healing, the freedom that could come of this. Help us, Jesus. Help us to uh, write declarations. Help us to speak declarations and, and see you move in response to them. In your name we pray. Amen.